0: evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your weekly instalment of the Gelsnet podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray. This is the Independent Rangers podcast, made for fans, by fans, and all content is free. And um, You can catch us over on the website at www.gelsnet.co.uk, where you can have a wee look at the forum, some articles, um, and over on our Twitter as well, at Gelsnet Online. Um, but of course... Um, here tonight on the 24th of February to discuss Rangers' famous 4 2 victory over Gretna on this day in 2008. No, don't worry. I'm um, not going to do that. He's nervous yet, guys. Obviously, here to discuss the big one on Sunday with my very special guest, uh, Guest, sorry, Dougie Kinnair. Dougie, how you doing, buddy? I'm
1: not bad. I've um, got a
0: fever brewing the cake. Oh, no. Is it, is, it, is it one of those kinds of fever? It's the battle fever. Ah, there we go. Only been on for <laughs> only been on for a minute We've had it already. That's uh, five five points to the battle fever bingo squad tonight. Um no guys, obviously um big one coming up in a couple of days and we will be here to preview it all. Um it was really good of Alec eh uh, the other day to, to do his little preview to the preview, um which was nice. Um he went through um the press conferences pretty much from the last week, and that's what we're going to do partly as well here tonight. But just before we start, I need to give a little um, message from our sponsors, and that is Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company, and they've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years, and we're delighted that we're backing up pod. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com. You can also visit the Forty Physician Executive Lounge, which is a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand at Ibrox. For more information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk um, So as we say, joined here by Dougie tonight, I think before we um, we start, obviously 24th of February, um, apart from a, a famous victory over Gretna um, 15 years ago today, we through a tweet with Bruce Dortmund a year ago today, but more importantly, um, it would have been the late great Sir so Walter Smith's 75th birthday today, Um, you know, you kind of run out of words to, to describe what Walter Smith meant to, and what still means and will forever mean to, to Rangers and their supporters. And I was actually going to start off today, Dougie, with, you know, just early sort of favourite League Cup memories, but could maybe even tie in the two, what would you say your, your earliest and favourite League Cup Walter memories are?
1: Do you know what? That was my answer. My answer was going to be um, two back-to-back League Cup final victories. Um, the first one being in the season 2000 and, was it 2008, 2009, then 2009, 2010. Um, the first one being the famous nine men and mm-hmm. Pigeon Gate against St Mirren. Um, that was actually my first ever League Cup final, believe it or not um, And I can't remember too much of it at the game Because two things One, I was sitting in row A of Hamden Which anyone has ever sat at Hamden Not even
0: row A, a. just A
1: uh, mate, it was ha- Hamden's the worst, the worst stadium ever um, And I was in the front row So I had a terrible view of the game um, But two, I was absolutely scooped So I don't remember too much about <laughs> it for that reason as well um, but looking back on it, and you get of look back um, a bit differently when you get older and, and a bit wiser, hopefully. Um, but it's amazing when you watch that back. When we go down to the nine men in particular, Walter Smith literally orchestrated that team to, uh, to a trophy, like 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 a, a you know an orchestra. Um, it was just an incredible victory against all odds, um, and one that, that lives long in my memory. And then the following year um, almost tops it with um, the, the, the post gate, um, the great through the great ball from Vladimir Weiss. And then Nikita Jelovic also slides and, and knocks it past Fraser Forster. It, it hits the post and it looks like it's coming out, but it somehow manages to, to find its way back into the back of the net. Those were two back-to-back trophies um, led by Sir Walter. Only right that we do mention um, the great man on what would have been his 75th birthday. Um, Rangers are a winning team. We are a winning team. Um, the League Cup is our trophy. We have won it 27 times against Celtic's 20. Um, Walter led us to our, our, our last one. Um, and I think I think it's about time we bring it home.
0: Well, we've had Pigeon Gate, we've had Postgate. I wonder if I'm going to get a wee bit of Nick Walshgate on Sunday. Sorry, Neil Lennon, I didn't want to to bring that up, just in case he's listening after his comments earlier. But no, um, I was going to say the 2011 final. The first one that I went to, I was the 7 or 8 or something like that. It was uh, the David Cooper final, they called it, the, the game against Motherwell that we won 5-1. Um, and I always remember that match ticket because it had like, David Cooper's face like on it. I thought it was really cool. It's probably like the coolest match ticket you'll ever see in your life. And it'll be in my mum's house somewhere. I don't know, I don't know where it is. It'll be packed away in some some boxer. But that game, but in terms of Walter, that that 1-0 game, I would have been about twelve or thirteen at the time. And I never I, I never went to it. I would have been watching it in my in my room myself and I just remember being apoplectic and raging because Rangers were absolutely diabolical that day, you think we're playing St Mirren, you know, it should be 4-5 now, and then Kevin Thompson does what Kevin Thompson does and (laughs) gets himself sent off Um, and then Danny Wilson just decides to to do it as well Um, but you're right, just the way he orchestrated that like a conductor, you know it was was incredible and it it really I think his second spell as manager really showed the well, the t- the type of manager that Walter Smith was when he was really under under the cush, under pressure. Um, we really got to see what he was made of and yeah, he's sadly, sadly missed by everyone, um every member of the Rangers family. So happy birthday, Sir Walter, wherever you are. Um before we go on to the game, just wanted to do a wee um, quick mention. Obviously, we had the, the Hall of Fame on Sunday. I don't think the guys got to cover it on Sunday because it would have been happening as the pod was going out live um to the people. Obviously, we had three inductions, Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis and James Tavenier. Um I think for the first two, there's no debate for anyone, McGregor and Davis. Um, a wee bit of Sort of controversy around Tavenier's, um appointment, so to speak, into the Hall of Fame. Um, I feel I support all three being on it, but um, Dougie, what what was your take on on the inductions? Um, yeah,
1: I think all three deserve their their their, um, their induction into the Hall of Fame. Um, I think there's there's, there's multi facets to it uh, in terms of whether the right players, was there any other um, worthy notable people, uh, ex, ex-Rangers men, I say men um, because I, I'm going to allude to more than just players but was there any ex-Rangers men that should have also been inducted in at that time I think before we of went to talk about McGregor and Davis and Tavernier I think a lot of Rangers fans um, think this was the opportunity to induct um, two, two, two really strong Rangers men that lost their lives last year and that is Walter Smith and Jimmy Bell yeah. and whilst I'm never against an addendum to a condition um, one of the conditions of the Hall of Fame is it's players. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't think the Hall of Fame is necessarily the way to honour these two Rangers men. Um, I think there's other ways to do that. Um, and I fully expect the club to do something in the future, um, especially with stands inside Ibrox named after Bill Struth and Sandy Jordan. There's, there's the opportunity to name a stand after Walter Smith. The new Edmundson House, I think, is the reason why um, we, we probably... Wanted to do the Hall of Fame now as a um, an opening gala, um, and probably brought forward the plans to induct the three players because personally, I'm not. I, I, I was a bit against um, inducting them whilst they're still playing and still playing at Rangers. I think a timing thing would have been would have been my issue, um, but I understand why we'd have wanted to do it for the opening gala. So um, I've got nothing against it from that perspective. But talking of Edmondson House. I think there's an opportunity to do something in or around Edmondson House to honour Walter Smith in particular. Whether that be naming Edmondson House after him, or whether that be at some point um, forging a statue outside, for example, I think there's opportunities to do something for Walter, which I think would be um, would be fitting and more fitting than the Hall of Fame and stick to stick to the players. But um, obviously, when the, the Hall of Fame is being um, announced. There was a lot of great tweets from supporters. And I've got a couple of stats on, on all three players. Um, and I've actually got your tweet in front of me as well. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come on to that as well. But going through the players, so Alan McGregor um, has 16-year service at Rangers. Obviously, he is, I was going to say academy graduate, but it wasn't necessarily an acad- academy at that point. But he came through the ranks of Rangers. Um, he's made 464 appearances. Mm-hmm. and He's won 13 trophies in that time, including four um, Scottish Premiership titles, four Scottish Cups, five League Cups. Um, and he's won the the Europa League runner-up. He says Europa League runner-up, he's also got the UEFA Cup runner-up, albeit he wasn't he wasn't playing that day. Um, but he is the Rangers record appearance holder in Europe. You think it's Stephen Davis, um, slightly less tenure obviously he's got eight year service, 346 appearances, 28 goals, again another Another player that's won a lot of trophies. He's won ten trophies. It's four Scottish premierships, three Scottish cups, two league cups, and he's got the um, the two runners up in Europa League and UEFA Cup. So, um, he's also Rangers' most capped player ever, um, as he's a UK record holder for most caps for Northern Ireland. I think what separates these two players for me against against James Tavernier is that trophy haul: thirteen and ten. What surprised me, though, looking at the stats, is Stephen Davis made 346 appearances for the club. James Tavenier, um, with the same length of service, um, actually has 387 appearances for the club. Um, he's only won two major trophies, obviously, Scottish Premiership and the Scottish Cup. He also has a massive opportunity this weekend to, 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 to complete the Haul in the um, Scottish top flight. Um that's the difference, that's the difference right there. It's the trophy hall, it's the fact that he's younger. Um, but for me, there's a lot of context around James Tavenier. Um yeah. In front of me The other like, straight away, he's got four trophies, he's got the Scottish Championship and he's got the, the Challenge Cup as well, which um, the Challenge Cup in particular, I was at that Peterhead game when he, when he scored the volley. Oh, um, that was a what, what a volley was. I'm right behind the goal as well, and I've got a great view of it. I up hope out you're out
0: in Roy there. for that one. <laughs> I was not,
1: I actually had a great view for that one and I'm hoping i have got a decent view on, on Sunday. I'm in, the, I chose the south stand upper
0: for the first time. Ah, you'll have second. a reasonable view. I'm, I'm, I'm trumping out in the west stand with the, the rest of the down and outs because oh. I'm, I'm not paying an extra fiver for a ticket. So
1: <laughs> I sat in the west stand for the semi-final um in the Scottish Cup last year, right next to the Union Bears and the atmosphere was brilliant. So mm. let's hope for a similar result. Um, I'm going to go into your tweet, right, because here's your tweet about um, James Tavernier, right? So he did lead the club to our most significant league title, and in its recent history, arguably its history, um, stopping the um, the ten. Um, he led the cup to its first Scottish Cup in thirteen years. He led the cup to only its fifth European final. He led the club back to the Champions League against all odds. At that point, he does have the opportunity to um, to completely the three trophies in Scottish top flight. Um, looking at last year as well, he was um, the Europa League go- top goal scorer, the Golden Boot winner. He was in the team um, of the year for the Europa League. For me, all those things considered, I understand a bit of the debate around James Tavernier because of the trophy hall, but see, when you break it down, that is, that is worthy of a Hall of Famer. And... I don't think it's, it's going to be until James Tavernier leaves that you suddenly realise how difficult it's going to be to replace uh, replace him as a player. Um, and his 387 appearances is right back. He has 95 goals. I think I've seen something. He's actually Rangers' seventh all-time top goal scorer. Something ridiculous like that recently. I don't have that one in front of me, but it's something absolutely ridiculous. Like He's actually in our top 10 top goal scorers. As a right-back, he finished the Europa League top goal scorer last season. I think a lot of people need to put some respect on James Tavenier's name. I get he's not had the best seasons, this year. Um But they're they are definitely worthy. Overall, they're worthy of his induction. And I'm hoping that he stays at Rangers for a good few years. What age he just have? Is he 30?
0: I think he's 30, yeah. Uh,
1: he's got a good few years at Rangers. And in those years, I hope he brings a more trophies starting this weekend.
0: Yeah, that no, that would certainly be ideal. I think I think we'd have, um for me, he encapsulates and sums up kinda of the last ten years or so in Rangers history and the sense of the journey. Because what you've seen is, is a slow and gradual progression in James Tavenier like you've seen with Rangers. And a lot of Rangers fans, I feel personally, and fair enough, they don't want to hear about what happened in 2012 and being put down to the lower leagues and they don't want to hear about getting scurried off Celtic when they came back up etc etc but yeah that's part of the club's history you need to you know in a way embrace how far we've came from those moments and I think James Tavenier that journey that he's been on from signing from Wigan for what 250 grand you UK. ask. it might have been Wigan I can't remember that was Wigan yeah her man and oh, Um and even just, uh, you know, building and building and growing, taking on the captaincy. I mean, you know, I, I was at the, the press conferences at and Howe and Wednesday, which will we'll come on there a wee bit. Um, I didn't get to ask him this, but I was going to ask him about if we get a penalty on Sunday, whether that's a shootout or an open play. Um, if he would step up and take it after what happened at the last League Cup final. Now, I yeah. assume he would say yes, you know, if we get a penalty on Sunday, Tav stepping up to take it, we know he is, but he didn't do it the last time after he missed one or two in the run up to it. I think last weekend against Livingston, even if he does miss that penalty, I still think he steps up yeah. on Sunday to take it. The guy showed some severe metal in kahunas in Seville to go and take that first penalty, he knew you know, what would happen if he missed it and he went up, he dispatched it well um, you know, he done with Barry Ferguson couldn't do in a penalty shoot in a big European game in Fiorentina where he went up and took the first penalty and missed um, so I think his, his growth even from then, because obviously he was a captain then, that was a decent Rangers team that lost that last League Cup final um, but just the growth in him as a person, I think Since the season we won the league. Um, and now that, you know, as you've said earlier, Dougie, this is, this is a winning Rangers team. I mean, I know obviously people will maybe have a wee, a wee dig and a laugh. Oh, you've only won this and that, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we've won, we've taken trophies the last two seasons. We hadn't done that for, for like 10 years. So it's, it's small steps. It's progression. We're, we're getting back to where Rangers need to be regularly winning trophies.
1: Yeah, that Scottish Cup victory in particular last season was huge for us. It, it got us back to winning that trophy. It's a trophy that would trail Celtic in in the trophy hall. Um, we had to get back to winning trophies. Um, and it was back-to-back trophies after the league title in the year before. For me, it's important that we win this this, this trophy on Sunday for, for a number of reasons. Um, one is to, to to get our first... Uh, is it 13 years since we've won it? So it's like to get our first um, League Cup trophy in, in, in that timescale. Um but there's also league consequences of this um, as well. I think Celtic at the moment feel a little bit invincible. They're sitting nine top nine points top top of the table. Um, I think we need to win this trophy to to prove to ourselves, first and foremost, that we are we are a good team, we are a winning team. Um, but also put a bit of doubt into their heads. And they've I don't want to talk too much about Celtic, but they've got a tough run of fixes coming up after this this final. Um, I think they've got St. Mirren, Hibs, Hearts. Um, if we can get a win, hopefully a comprehensive win, um, then it might put a bit of bit of doubt into their head, and we can then um, we can hopefully cause some points back in the league. Because for me, there's there's still three trophies on this table to win this year, and I know we've kind of joked about it in the WhatsApp that um, there's there's two main ones that we should be going for, and that's the two cups. For me, that's 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 a given. We should be looking to, to looking to win this cup at the weekend. But um, I'm not writing anything off this season, and. Um,
0: Neil McCann was was also making similar noises but let's just do a talking on the pitch mm-hmm. no I mean like you're right there are technically still still three trophies up for grabs I mean put it this way I mean I think most Rangers fans well maybe not concede the league but we realise how difficult it's going to be but can you imagine if you know we thought the players felt that and the players just went out of the league game thinking oh well the league's done we absolutely exactly. with them and, and rightly like so we, we need to go out and do our job. And since Michael Wills came in, 14 games, we've done that. We've went out, we've done our job, apart from one game. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's one game out of 14 and you're drawing it. It's not, it's not the worst record to have in the world. And, and we should have won it. We should have won it. And I think that'll
1: be in the players' heads. The fact that we should have won that game. We beat them in the the route to get to the Scottish Cup final last season. Um, these things will be playing in heads. Um, and it's funny when you're talking about Tav and, and hitting penalties. That the last League Cup final that we were in was against Celtic. Um, and Alfred O'Manello stepped up he hit the penalty he missed the penalty. It's amazing considering all the, the media narrative, as always, that's coming out just now around um, referee pressure. That game was won by a poor um, officiating decision. It was offside. Um, but we we lick our wounds and we we, we, we move on. Um we move on to this one, and let's hope it's a different outcome than the, the last
0: time we went to Hampden in a League Cup final against Celtic. Yeah, well, I'd certainly take an offside goal and something for Varti conveniently break at the same time. Um, I'd go <laughs> Kevin Keegan right now on UK. I'd say I would <laughs> love it. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is, well, you know, we're not trying to grass a good friend in, but, but Gary, um, Gary <laughs> on the podcast was at Hampden today, and he was in and around the VAR machine, so. With you a Celtic know. supporting father-in-law, I tell you, honestly, you just well, can't pick family members. I know. Um, Gary did, was did, did saying bro- that his father-in-law was inspecting the VAR machine to make sure it wasn't going to make any biased decisions in Rachel's favour. I see that. Do you,
1: know, do you know what i just seen there? That we were talking about the three um, Hall of Fame inductees. Um, they've made over 1,200 competitive appearances amongst the three of them. Mm-hmm. And there is a stat here and I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of fact check it there in terms of um, the value of the players. Also you mentioned James Tavernier cost us around two hundred and fifty thousand. I can't remember what we paid for Davis. I think it was about
0: three.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was film, wasn't it? So film. the stat here says that um those three players cost us a combined fee of under three point five million and also we've spoken about the trophies and we've spoken about their appearances. That's what you call good business.
0: Oh yeah. Just, just imagine if Ross Wilson picked up all three of them for those prices, he'd be absolutely. <laughs> he'd be using that like, and his appraisals for the next ten years. He's one to one meetings at work. Look at the I'm value hoping, that I've got or somebody.
1: I'm hoping that Ross Wilson's thing two good players in the January transfer window that will go on to um, contribute towards many trophies for this football club.
0: Yeah, I, I certainly think that that will happen in, in the long run. Anyway, we we we're asking in well. Um but. Moving on closer to the game, I'm not quite there yet, but um just wanted to talk about, obviously, the, the sort of build-up to the game and the press this week. Um It has been quite quiet, considering as well there hasn't been any midweek fixtures. You know, the way that we have been used to it recently is, you know, there's a game on a Monday, there's a game on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and then you've got um the old firm um, in the weekend. There's been no games midweek for either side. It's been a free midweek. So you would expect that there's going to be a huge, big build up and it has been a wee bit quite tame and boring. And I think that's why you've seen the last sort of week or so, your usual suspects of pundits and inverted commas and tabloids and newspapers and radio stations just trying to come up with full headlines and full controversy to make because this might sound controversial, but I don't actually think that Michael Beale and Ange Postacoglu hate each other that much. I don't think they're best pals, um, but I don't think they've got a massive disdain for each other as well. Um, The way that some of the headlines have been written this week, and I mean, I know you're always going to get it with these games and what have you, but some of it is, you know, it's laughable. Um, The whole stuff a few weeks ago with Michael Beale calling Ange Postacoglu lucky, I mean, you know, that wasn't really a dig at him. It was just something that Michael Beale was saying in conversation. And to be honest, Michael Beale had a point. Celtic fans would turn around and say, well, how's Ange Postacoglu looking at it. Celtic have a, a player trading model that means that they can spend lots of money? Well, it wasn't the Ange Postacoglu that came up with that player trading model. He is lucky to be in that job, you know. But, um, stuff like that, like, it, it's, it's, it's stupid. And obviously, what we've seen, Comments last week for for Chris Sutton, um, you know, just really, you know, as I said at the time, with Sutton's comments, they really, really got to me and riled me up because take Barnett and a wee bit of criticism and all that, but Chris Sutton was calling Michael Beal's integrity into question there, you know, and I know you know, look, people can have their opinion with have done that if it was a bigger game and, t- and we're talking about. Um, giving Patrick Fish a goal after after the Tilman incident a couple of weeks ago. But if Michael Beals came out and said that, you, you need to take Michael Beale at his word. What's Michael Biel, like what proof do you have that Michael Beale um is lying about that? Nobody does. Um Michael Beale is an honest guy, he's an open guy, he's a really nice guy, he's a chatty guy, he's an honest, friendly guy, he's just a normal guy that loves his football. And I know that you know, a lot of people seem to get riled up by that, and a couple of Rangers fans do as well. And Fairness think that he maybe talks too much during press conferences. But you know, he's just a normal, a normal guy that's quite honest going about his business. He doesn't obviously feel the need to put on a show, which we've seen managers in the past do. We've seen Pedro Kashina do it, try to put on theatre, and it didn't work. We've seen Gerard at times do it as well, and it I actually ironically I think when Gerald tried to put on the act that was more than likely when we're having bad results um, I think Michael Buell's just a normal guy that loves his football and I think a lot of the comments are taken completely out of context to try and spice up some sort of rivalry between the managers that, to be honest I don't really think so do you? Um, I don't think the rivalry
1: between the managers is necessarily there that's just the mainstream media yeah. um Doing what they do, you know, they're they're looking for their that hits, their their clicks on online. And to be perfectly honest, I couldn't care what the mainstream media go and say. Um Viaplay are doing similar as well with a kind of joint press conference photos, but it ended out separate press conferences. That's just Viaplay trying to drum up interest in this game, as if it needed any more interest. And um I think they're probably just doing it outside of Scotland to, to get a bit more intrigue and it, it kind of had a whole boxing feel to me of um, yes. the heavyweight standing there and, and, and just kind of a bit circus act. Um, the old firm isn't, doesn't need that for me. Um, I couldn't care less what the, the media say about about this game. We know what it means. Um, There's a lot of noise just now, though, um, and it is because it's been a fairly quiet weekend. What's the still game phrase? Um, so quiet. I like quiet. Quiet. Um, I'm, I'm I personally, I'm missing our midweek Thursday night European football though, having to make do with watching, um, watching the English teams this week. Managed to catch uh, the Liverpool game, which was a good one, the Man City game, and then I missed the Man United game last night. I wish we were w- watching Rangers, but um, what that does allow us to do is focus all our attention on this game, and I'm hoping that this week has allowed us to build up fitness in certain players that that obviously. Um, have had fitness issues, um, but allows us to focus our tactics entirely on this game. Um, and I tell you what, those guys like Fashionsicalla that have also made a few comments this week about you know the other mob and Barry Ferguson making comments about um, showing a lack of respect. And he also had a bit of confidence getting into that press conference. There was a bit of you kind know, of controversy whether he should or he should not have said them. Um, my personal view on it is, I want my players to be confident. And I do not want them to be respecting Celtic. I want them to, to, to yeah. go in with that mindset, um, but they need to back it up in the pitch. And I see Frankie's put a poll out there. Um, I think that's exactly what I want to see. I want to see, I want to see winning mindsets. I want to see Fashion Sakala going out there and they following that up on Sunday. Um, it would be great to see. To great. I do. I personally, I think Fashion Sakala is huge for us um, on Sunday. I think he's mm. a. Type that will cause them all sorts of problems. Um, loving his mindset in terms of go in there, show them the respect, go in with confidence, and let's let's bring that
0: trophy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, worst case scenario, you get you get wound up a wee bit. Uh, I mean, well, obviously after getting beat, but I mean, if if that's the the consequence, you get wound up a wee bit, then really who cares? Just go in fully confident um, and just go hell for later I mean, the thing about the Sakala comments as well. Um, one thing that I noticed, and I was in his press conference on Wednesday as well, and I, I had to look back when he said, you know, like, we're Bertland Celtic, and I was like, did he say that? Because I didn't think he did, and then I, I went and watched it back and watched it back. He didn't say that in the press conference. Did he not? No. He didn't. What I think's happened there is um, you had the the newspapers that were giving time with the players separately as well. and. I think you would, have, I mean, I don't know who it would have been, obviously, because I wasn't there, but um, I think you might have had a couple of wee guys for the, the daily newspapers probably try and push faster into making a comment like that, probably saying like, well, do you think the are Celtic? Blah, blah, blah. Just trying How to. How else is he going to answer that question? Exactly. They <laughs> don't think we're better than them. <laughs> exactly. And and I love that mindset. We, we so we should going
1: with that mindset that we are better. Let's, you know, let's look back at Michael Beale's comments. Michael Beale said um, there are two very good teams getting into this final on Sunday, both on great form. And I think that, that needs to be called out. This is set up to be a, an absolute nothing each. I <laughs>
0: don't know
1: if I could tell you that. <laughs> no, it's, it's set up to be an absolute cracker, isn't it? Two good teams. Um, when, you, when you look at the league table, Celtic are sitting nine points clear. So it's naive of us to sit here and say we are the best team. But we should be sitting there confident you know, in my personal opinion, Celtic and Under Under and have had an opportunity to build a strong Celtic team. This is a strong Celtic team, they're a good team. Um, but I think this is the best they're going to be. I think they've yeah. now got their ceiling. I think they've they're, they're they're now starting to have that player trading model where some of the better players are having to move on, such as Juranovic, who also scored last night for Union Berlin against Ajax. Um we're building something right now, and I'm actually very excited about what we are building. And I think my excitement comes from twofold. One, um, our January signings. I, I genuinely believe that Todd, Todd Cantwell and, and Nico Raskin bring us up another level. And I think they're going to be important players at some point on Sunday. Um, but the second one is Michael Beale. Michael Beale has managed to turn what was a fairly shambolic season. I know we got into the, the Champions League and that was a huge success for us this season from a financial perspective. Yeah, that was it. That, <laughs> that was it. In the Champions League, we were not good enough. In the league, we've dropped far too many stupid points. Michael Beale's record—what what did you say? It was twelve wins at thirteen, with that one dropped. Thirteen out a fourteen. That's that's a brilliant record considering on the team that he inherited. And where, where I get my excitement from is um, that team. That team looked done under Gio. But Michael Beale came in and he said himself that this team is not as broken as what many people think it is. Mm -hmm. And I think with a couple of additions of Raskin and Cantwell, we are now seeing a very good Rangers team. And um, I I always go in and I think the players should go into Sunday thinking this is a great test. It's a good opportunity. I genuinely believe that our starting eleven is better than theirs. I genuinely believe that. And I hope we believe it as a team. And I hope we go out and prove that on Sunday. Um, but it's a great test to go and see where we are um, and where we do need to strengthen going forward. But it's, it's set up to be a cracker. and um, You know, the Old Firm banter started on Monday um, when the school drop-off when I was taking my, my eldest daughter to school. All the Celtic fans give me a jep about they'll, they'll wave me off in the 60th minute when they're beating us. Um, I, I love the Old Firm banter. There's nothing, nothing like it. Um, and that's what Michael was saying in his press conference as well. Um, he's seen derbies all around the world the disrespect on social media from supporters south of the border is unreal when they take their half and half scarves and their cameras to just photograph that they were at the event with a cardboard cut out saying that they want a shirt this is a proper football match it's a proper derby and this one on Sunday is going to be a cracker yeah
0: um, I think it will be a cracker Diggy. That's amazing, but into how, you know, Celtic fans spend years not calling it the old firm. Then as soon as an English fan on Twitter <laughs> says, you know, like it's not really the biggest album, in the world, they're like, Oh my god, no, it is, it is, it's it's totally the biggest album. The they are like, mm, well, they all want tickets to go. Well, if you if you've seen the prices on certain um third party websites that we cannot advertise for legal reasons on the podcast, then yeah, they're they're going for a bomb, put it that way. Um but on to the actual game itself after dealing with um the sort of the press issue. Um first and foremost, the injuries obviously we need to talk about them. Jack, Lundstrom, Ruth and Tillman are all doubts. Now the last sort of updates over what I got was Michael Beale's press conference on Tuesday. As I say, I was at the player ones on Wednesday. Um I did try and climb over the fence at how Howie to get a look at training. Unfortunately, um I wasn't able to do it. Um I don't know. I don't know what's happening with the injured players. No one does except the players in the management team. I was told on Wednesday, you can, you know, come to your own conclusions on this, that Tillman apparently hasn't trained pretty much since the Fissile game um, on grass anyway. So obviously that might have changed Wednesday, Thursday, today. Um, but going by that, you would probably say if anyone is going to miss it it would probably be him and I do think if we are missing Tillman I think he's the one that, the form that he's been shown so far that we absolutely need in there, do you?
1: Yeah, I think I think on the Tillman one um, I said at the time coming back from the game against Partick Thistle, some of the challenges were were over-aggressive um, well, yeah. the one that obviously created the controversy where it went out for the throw and then he went on to score that's a stamp, it was an outright stamp on him and we've seen so many incidents over the years where um, tackles like that go unpunished. Um, there's a very little reaction from within um, the Rangers camp post-match and the, the press conferences and like, and it goes on to injure a player. So hopefully, hopefully he he is back and he is fit because in my opinion, Malik Tillman is um, at least the best young player in Scottish football this season. Um, there's an argument he has Rangers player of the year. And if we do go on and do something in the league, as an argument because he's been the best player of the, the year as well. I think Malik Tillman is a special player. Um, all four of the players that you mentioned, though, um, play a very important role for this, for this club and for this side. And it would be great to have them all available, whether they start or whether they're on the bench. It gives us those options. Um, only time will tell. Um, with Tillman, if he is fit, though, he's an automatic starter. Um, Jack Lindstrom... We'll come on to team predictions shortly, but it'll be for me it's a toss-up between um which one of them does start. I don't think both of them will start. And um, Kemar Roof, on the other hand, I think Kamar Roof this 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 period just epitomizes Kamar Roof, doesn't it? You know, he came off the bench against Livy, he looked brilliant, he got his goal, um, he won the free kick that came He came over to me and
0: celebrated down. in the corner as well, by the way.
1: Right in front of you, that's it. I
0: was I was um, I was happy, clapping him.
1: But you know? I see. I see a stat. I've got another couple of stats. You know, I love my stats, right? Um, so here's here's two, stroke three for you, right? So, um, Kamar Roof has played in forty seven percent of competitive matches since he joined Rangers, but only twenty eight percent of the minutes. Um, so first on that one, that's just not good enough. Um, yeah. there's arguments that we've got far too many players that that are injury prone that don't um, that don't play enough football. Um, and it's interesting because I was literally flicking through Twitter before coming on the, the pod and i seen more footage of Craig Gordon in training he had a double leg break and he's going to be back playing football for Hearts before some of our guys like Halanda and Suter um, which is just absolutely mental but um, Kumaru for me is just one of a number of players who if he was fit he would be a tremendous footballer but unfortunately he is not fit um, and whilst we always have the same argument about what if. For me, he's a player that's on far too much money, and when the summer comes, um, if somebody's interested, I'd, I'd look to move him on. Um, but on the flip side, and the good side of it, is um, <laughs> Kamar Roof's record is, um, in 43 SPFL appearances, he's scored 21 goals, which means he averages a goal every 104 minutes. So you've got that flip side of it. He's he a He's so effective, but he's just not reliable, unfortunately. And, um, it'd be good to have him as an option off the bench, but if he's if he's not there, we have lots of options at the moment. This is, mm. you know, considering the state of the squad when, when Michael Beale took over, um, I think it's going to be a strong squad. Hopefully, hopefully the players that we've just mentioned do make it. Um, but I think that bench is going to look very strong. And what that means is when Celtic inevitably make their subs on the 60-minute mark because they've kind of emptied the tank beforehand, we can hopefully replicate that. Um, we can we can hopefully go out. We we need to we need to stop them in the first half. They always come out fast. Um, hopefully we can come out fast, we can empty the tank as well. And knowing the players that we've just spoken about there, knowing that some of them won't start, what that means is that we can go and look to the subs bench around the 60 mark as well and and bring off that pain kind of quality. And and I think that's what will win us the game. I think it's been able to make those changes and bring on that quality.
0: Yeah, I mean, the point you make there about the subs is quite interesting because I was having a wee think about this earlier. Obviously, you know, Celtic have have made a living this season, you know, getting the game done in the first half, early stages of the second half, can rotate it on the 60th minute and sort of continue. And even if they're playing badly, they can still rotate it in the 60th minute and eventually the teams that they're playing against will crumble after that. But they've not really been up against a team that's managed to make same kind of changes back to them. Now, even if you go back to our game in January against them, we absolutely dominated most of that game. But when you think about it, look at the guys that they're bringing on. Sands, right. You know, there's no yeah. way, certainly James Sands, you know, unless we really are needing to see out the game won't play a part on Sunday, you wouldn't think. Um, Scott, right. You never know. You know, he could come on at some point, maybe if the game goes to extra time or whatever. Um, but we'll be looking at our field, Hadji, Roof, possibly Cantwell or Tillman to come on. You know, proper quality players that can make a difference in the game. And, you know, if, if we're a goal up or need like, uh, an equaliser, can can get that that sort of vital goal. Um, one thing that I'm interested in as um, the Celtic team, because... I've spoke to a couple of um, Celtic supporting acquaintances this week who are kind of, you know, they don't know where to pick between Aaron Moyer or, or Matt O'Reilly in the midfield. Um, I think if Kyogo will, be fit, he- he- he'll he start the game. The thing with Kyogo is, can you see him lasting the 90 minutes? Probably not. I- I've got a feeling this could go all the way. He certainly won't last 120 minutes. Aaron Moy as well, I think he is a quality, quality player, but can you see him lasting 90 minutes never mind 120, no I do have a feeling that Postacoglu will go out with his best 11 on Sunday and just go for it and when I say best 11 I mean Moy over O'Reilly I think O'Reilly's been good but I think Moy's better Um, and I think he'll just say just just go for it Um, the caveat to that is however if we can handle that eventually your Moy's and your kyogos will get tired and if you look at who they're bringing on to replace him, yeah, it's still quality. But for example, if it's Jacques Marcus that's coming on for Kyogo, you're a wee bit worried, but obviously he's not there. They've got this new striker and we don't know much about him. I'm not, saying he's good, I'm not saying he's bad, but I don't think he's as good as Jacques Marcus. And then even if O'Reilly's coming on, I think he's still a quality player, but he's not at Moy's level. So I think that'll be quite interesting. The midfield is ultimately well, these games are going to be what I lost. I've been kind of rankling with it the last wee while, and I've completely done a 180 on my team for Sunday in the midfield. Um, I would go with asking in Kamara. Um, I wanted a Jack at Lundstrom in there because obviously you want the dig, you want the battle in these games, but both of those players, more so Lundstrom, are prone to a wee mistake. I mean, if you think of the amount of times that Lundstrom's gave the ball away this season, it doesn't always lead to goals or whatever, but he's done it probably once a game on average. Um, my fear is when you give the ball away to Celtic, they will punish you. The thing we're asking in Kamara is more so be Kamara. They're not giving the ball away. Um, we know that Kamara is very, you know, defensive with the ball. He likes to pass it sideways and backwards, but he's not going to give it away. Um, and Raskin can kind of give you a wee bit more going forward um, that's kind of just my thoughts on it, I think we should because I'm I'm quite worried about not what Celtic are going to do to us, but what we're going to do to us because if you look at both games that we have played them this season we've conceded six goals there is an argument to be made that every single one of those goals were made by unforced errors from us, so that's what I'm worried about us making those errors and Celtic capitalising on it. Um, so, you know, initially I was wanting I saw it, a sort of midfield enforcer, a Jack or a but now I think Kamara playing the six, Raskin playing the eight, and then whether it's Tillman or Cantwell, for me that obviously depends on who's fit. What's your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I
1: can see Frankie's um, predicted 11 on the screen right now as well. And And what's funny is. I think most Rangers fans. I can see a couple of comments just now um, with 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 different players in mind, but I think most Rangers fans would agree with ten of the the eleven. Um, I think the back five picks itself in terms of McGregor to having a Goldson, Davies, and Barisic. Yeah, I think the one thing about the defense is um, they need to be on their game. They need to be sharp, especially with the pace around Celtic up front. Um, we need to make sure that we are. Um, sensible at the back but we are we are winning those, those challenges and we're not doing anything stupid at the back I think the front three for me picks itself I know there's other players that, that, are, that are on form, it's great to have those options but those are great options off the bench, um, I'd be starting Kent, Meneos and Sakala and one of the comments on there right now is just about that, that clinical finishing of those three players You know, when you take out a roof or a Trolak, you didn't even mention Trolak about the options off the bench he is our top goal scorer this season there but, you go. You know these are these are options that you have from the bench if you need the goal. For me, those three players give you a lot of energy. Manellas um, in particular, for me, um, sometimes was a bit un, un, underappreciated by our supporters because he he isn't the, the penalty box goal scorer that Cholak is, and he, he's, he's therefore not going to score you the same amount of goals. But mm-hmm. our team needs morelos it needs him to be holding Certainly that ball up. Nice I think I think he's, he's hugely important. The thing for me about Morelos, though, is when Eleanor was talking about Cicala, it's great to have these players fired up and, and really going for it. Morelos, for me, I think the opposite should be in his head right now. <laughs> I, I think sometimes Morelos gets far too into his head that he wants to go into the battle. He wants to fight with them. Um, and actually, I think Morelos just needs to play his game. I think I think Morelos is the best striker in Scotland. We've mentioned Kyoko and the, the guy, So, from, from South Korea for Celtic. Um, I think Alfredo Morelos is the best striker in Scotland and um, whilst he's not the most clinical um, I think he'll be really key to the way that we play football so I think back five, front three, pick itself Um, if Tillman's fit, I think he starts undoubtedly, he's been uh, my player of the year so far for for Rangers he is growing into the Rangers jersey I have spoke before uh, with Stuart and Colin on a pod about um, he just oozes class, and and if we can pick him up for five million from Bayern Munich, it's it's a bargain, um, and I think he's got a huge future in the game. Um, I think Raskin starts. I know there's 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 a few other supporters that that are, that are saying it's throwing him into into this game. And um, oh, who was the other player that they were comparing him to that we kind of played in a, a, an old Firm game too soon, and it kind of ruined him? I, I can't remember now, um, but for me. Raskin in the games that he's played in is exactly the type of midfielder that we have been lacking for so long. He is that deep line playmaker who can, who can spread possession, but he's got so much else to his game. Um, I think his tenacity, his, his pace, um, and his, his, you know, in, in that tenacity, he's got that aggression about him as well, and the challenge. I think that would be really key. When you're talking about Celtic players, guys like Aaron Moy, um, he's very good in possession. Um, he's got a very good pass you need to close him down but he does not have pace I think I, I think Nico Raskin could cause him a lot of problems and and stopping them from playing their game so I think Raskin and Tillman start um, fantastic to have two brilliant young players um, back in our team um, because I, I, I had real concerns about our age profile so great to have them as options but that, that third spot is the one that's up for grabs and it's up for grabs not because there's nobody capable of filling it but actually because there's so many good options and that's just yeah. brilliant. You know, we're not talking about Cantwell. Cantwell's a great player. Um, I, I think he'll sit out the starting 11 in this game to, to allow the shape that, that was spoken about in terms of Telman pressing on and Sakala his pace. But Cantwell come off the bench. The three that's in, in question for me is Kamara, Jack and Lindstrom. And you could put a case forward for any of them. Um the Kamara one's interesting because on the school run I, I walked to school with a guy that I, I, I go to games with, Ibrooks. and he always talks about he likes a midfield balance and whilst I like the, the aggression and physicality of Lindstrom and whilst I like the leadership of Ryan Jack and I think those two players have been so good for us in on some games, the balance of Camp Kamara and Maskin makes a lot of sense because both of them are great at, at, at holding the possession and um, both of them are great at closing down um, I think I think you could see Kamara and Raskin for that reason but generally when that team sheet's announced I, I'm not expecting any surprises but I don't think there'll be any disappointments I think our squad is very strong at the moment that whatever squad's announced I think we go there um, full of confidence and ready to see a team that's going to fight for everything to win, win this trophy.
0: Yeah and, and that's the thing, that's something that we didn't have you know, a month or so ago and it's certainly something that we didn't have in the the meeting in September at Celtic Park.
1: Big, um, I can see a comment um, from one of the fans, and he's absolutely bang on the player that I was talking about was Diallo. We, we threw Diallo oh, and yeah, yeah. too soon.
0: Doesn't uh, help when he's played out a position, and then he's done the exact same to Tillman in the same place. That was
1: you though. That was you all all over. Yeah. Um, it, I think that's the making of Tillman in particular. I think um, I think Michael Beale um, has really understood Tillman's qualities, and he's been able to get the best out of him. Um I yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see anyone play that position. I think I think it's one of the best things about this team right now and about Michael Beale. I, I spoke about it after the January transfer window. I think Michael Beale has a very clear vision of how his team are going to go out and play football. And I think he picks the players that, that, that really suit his system. But I also think what he's very good at as a tactician and I'd say he's better than Ange, is that I think he's very good at looking at the opposition and, and and an, an opposition. And I
0: think for that reason, that's why we might see Kamara part of Raskin. Yeah, it's, it's something that, as I say, I, I kind of wrangled with recently because I, I love the, the flying tackles and, and stuff like that, that the likes of Jack and the special Lundstrom can offer you. But, you know, you mentioned it earlier about sort of getting up for the game and Morelos and Sakhala and whatnot. I've got a feeling with the likes of Jack and Lundstrom, more so Lundstrom, that... It can maybe go to his head a wee bit because we've seen Lundstrom sometimes make, you know, rash challenges, go in for tackles that he doesn't need to. Maybe try, try too hard. Um, I don't really think Ryan Jack does that. I think Ryan Jack's quite controlled. I think Ryan Jack's a great player. I love him, but I just think his form, you know, up until his slight problem a few weeks ago, I don't think it was great. Um, but you know, if i had a one of the two start, you know, if if John Lynch or Ryan Jacks flying through a Celtic player 20 seconds into the game, I'm, you know, I'm going to be jumping up and doing screaming and shouting. Yeah, so you know, that's,
1: that's, that's the thing I was thinking, seeing you're talking about kind of being fired up for it. One of the things about an old firm game is you do need to get the fans fired up and onside very early doors. And um, it was the old firm game where Andy Halliday put the challenge in at Ibrox very early doors. It set the tone straight away. Yeah you, do, you, yeah, you do get that with Jack and you get it with Lundstrom. You definitely do not get it from Kamara, but mm-hmm. I think you can get it from the likes of Raskin. Yeah, but um, I, I'll say it again. You know, I think I think the options are great. It's great to have those options. I think whether we're, we're we we have a lead that we're looking to protect or we're behind and we're looking to get a goal, I think we've got great options from the bench. And um, we've seen it in the, the Scottish Cup semi-final last year. It was a sub. Um, Arthur was sub, wasn't he? he? Came off the bench. Yep, Arthur sub. Davis. It was a sub that came on and, and made that difference. Um and I think it could it could be similar again. I think we're gonna we're gonna need the full squad um to win this trophy on Sunday rather than just to start a living.
0: I think um just mentioned him there, Stephen Davis, that other sub. Um might be a wee bit off topic because he's obviously not going to be playing, but I think he's someone that we could really be doing with on Sunday at some point in the game. He wouldn't have started, um but the control that that guy gives you in a game um, is unbelievable. Um, a lot of um, Celtic fans um, have been talking about, you know, Aaron Moy does some, some off a of them. Obviously, he's more forward-thinking as well. But Stephen Davis, the control that, that he would give you in the midfield, I mean, if you can given January, for example, instead of bringing James Stans on, um, you know, on Stephen Davis. Um and you've you've got that control there. I'm I'm just but, laughing because um I've actually got a wee bit of breaking news for you live on the podcast. Um Michael Halloran, if you remember him, has actually he's signed for Rangers. He's just signed for Cove Rangers, apparently. I really. So um you'll be joined Well North Fraser, he'll get the sack from Cove Rangers, didn't he, after him making rude gestures towards um the other mob supporters um after a game a few years ago. Um but I thought that would make the viewers laugh. Hopefully there's a few people laughing in the comments with that one. Michael Harlan, I mean obviously he wasn't a very good player for Rangers the first time round. I don't know if he'll be any good for Rangers the second time around. He signed for Rangers twice. I mean I don't think he imagined that. Like seven or eight years ago when he was playing for St Johnson. I'm going to sign for Rangers not once but twice.
1: More to the point, that shows how far we've come. You know, we were talking about having Michael O'Hara and our Rangers team in the top flight. Um, he was never good enough to play for Rangers. Um, how they might have fallen, he's now at Cove Rangers, no offence to any Cove Rangers fans. But you're looking at our team right now and it's filled with quality. Um, quality that I genuinely believe, um, if we go out and we, we play as best as we can, we can, we can win this trophy for our 28th time.
0: Well, that's certainly the plan. Um, I've just seen a text from my dad who's laughing saying Cove Rangers. Ha 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 ha. So he'll be hearing that live on the podcast as well. Um, I know we mentioned Tillman um, and obviously fitness. I know you're saying if Tillman's fit he plays but what I would like to know is how if Tillman is a certain percentage fit does he still play? Because one thing will be certain certainly at the start of the game we need all three midfield players to be on it. Um, and like, I'm not going to be one to criticise Tillman's work rate I think ironically people that do it are quite lazy Um, and obviously that is ironic because they're accusing Tillman of being lazy I don't think he's lazy at all in fact he makes a lot of interceptions he covers a lot of ground but I just think that for this game we need to match the energy and I just have a bad feeling if he's not 100% that maybe he's 70 or 80% normally that would be okay if it's a league game or whatever you know against anyone but Celtic. But I just think that that 10-20% drop-off, that might, for me, prove to be, be crucial. And maybe that's why I would probably go with Campbell instead if, if he's not
1: 100%. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's going to be a very, very fast start to the game. I think it's going to be a high-tempo game. Um, we've seen a game at Celtic Park when G was the manager. Ball um, boys very quickly the throw-ins and, and all that. So I think I think we're going to see Celtic try and play as quick as he possibly can. And, and you're right, we're going to need to be at it from, from that first whistle. And if he if he isn't fit enough, then he shouldn't play. He should not play if he's not fit enough. And, and maybe he can contribute from the bench in the second half if we if we do need to do something different. But I'll say it time and time again. Um, I'd love him to play, I'd love him to be ready to play. And hopefully it's a bit of mind games for Michael Wheel and um, put a bit of doubt into into Andrew's head about, you know, is he fit, is he not fit. Will he start? Will he not start? Therefore, Celtic are having to plan for, for different eventualities. Um, Tillman offers offers a great deal. Um, you know, one of the things that I was going to mention earlier on, and it connected me in my head there about the nine the games, there is that media um, noise just now from the comments from Dylan about Cicala, and, and, and somebody did put something in my head that, that I've not been able to get out of it, which is Celtic usually manage the narrative coming up to a big game like this around officials, one of the things, um, whilst a lot of supporters may not be happy about how, how open Michael Beale is in his press conferences and the comments made by the likes of Sakala, one of the things about it is that is dominating the headlines. So mm. whilst that is dominating the headlines, the headlines are not about officials and getting decisions right and putting pressure on those officials. And I just wonder if Michael Beale is playing a very clever game, whether it be about that element or whether it be about the likes of Tillman where he is playing a wee bit of mind games right now. And, um, I, I just wonder if he is, he is doing something a bit clever right now. We won't know until Sunday, but I, I, I hope that's
0: the case. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point you make there about, about the media and stuff and the narrative. That's not actually something that i thought of until, until you've said it there, Dugan. It is it is quite interesting because we have seen pundits come out the last few days. We've seen Neil Lennon today. Um Come out and say stuff about it. And like, nobody's really talking about it. Like, obviously we are talking about it, which might seem quite ironic, but it's not going to be back page or front page news tomorrow. Everyone's talking about Michael Beale's comments this week. Everyone's talking about Fast and Sakala's comments this week. And I think it's quite ironic, um, from a Celtic support who, what, 10 days ago or so were accusing Michael Beale of being soft, um, and getting rattled by Chris Sutton. Um, I think it's quite ironic that the most offended fan base in the world all they've done for the last sort of seven days or so since Michael Beale's made comments and Fashion Sakala's made comments as crying comment sections on Twitter
1: We just need to do our talking on the pitch you know I'm, I'm all for the the noise coming from within our club like Sakala getting out there with the confidence let's show them the respect but um, it needs to be backed up and if we don't back it up in the pitch we're going to look like fools so Let's hope that they are going. They're, they're making those con- comments because they are confident and, and they don't let us down. Because um, we know that feeling far too often. Just now, as a Ranger supporter going to Hamden in the last decade, we've we've left um, displeased more times than not. Hopefully, this is this is the, the turnaround where we, we we do bring home that Scottish League Cup trophy. And interestingly, you're talking about the role voice of a player that Stephen Davis is. Um, he is the other player that scored in the same game that Nikita Yelovich scored in a last appearance at Hamden. I am completely on the Stephen Davis train Um and I think it's a sad ending to to, to potential his ranger's career if he if he doesn't return um from his injury. Um but very definite and uh, worthy Hall of Famer, big, big Stephen Davis fan here.
0: No, he is. Um, he's, he's, at, he's he's my favourite Rangers player, so that's how much I, I love him. Um, in fairness to me about the injury there, i seen a wee feature on um, BBC Northern Ireland a few weeks ago where he was actually talking about getting back. And I tell you something, yeah. If see if he's fit, I I don't care how old it keep him. Because, see, I've seen it with football players now. I know look, we've all got that sort of football manager or FIFA mentality where it's like, as soon as a player hits 30 you like that. Not nope, get rid of him, he's too old, but nowadays you see guys like Ibrahimovic, Buffon, he's about 44, 45 now, still playing with Parma, he only left Juventus about two years ago when he yeah. would have been 42, 43. That's not me saying that Alan McGrath should get a new contract by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but we see it, Geroud, Ibrahimovic, um see it constantly now, um, players playing now, very late 30s, early 40s, so, Stephen Davis is a guy who's kept himself fit throughout his whole career. He's not playing in a position like he used to where it's going to be as strenuous on his body. So as far as I'm concerned, if he can get himself back fit, you know, I don't think money's going to be an issue. I don't think he's going to be the type of guy that he'll realise that he will need to take a pay cut. I would assume he's already taken one this year, but if Davis is fit next season, I'll, I'll gladly take him for another year. He said himself in that interview
1: that he's a, a player that's always really looked after himself, um, both in terms of his, his, his physical um, training, but also what he eats and all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm with you. Um, obviously, when when Gerard was in charge, and Beale was here before, we signed Jermaine Defoe, similar age, um, but he was signed because of his professionalism. He went on to be a player coach. Um, when the injury came up, Michael Beale was interviewed, and he mentioned that there would be a future at this club for Stephen Davis in some capacity, and. I think what he was hinting at there is that Stephen Davis is already made Rangers coach. I think he's settled in Glasgow, his family like it here. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's a Rangers supporter. I think there's a, a coaching role for some point in the future for the role voice for a player that Stephen Davis is. And if it's that we can get him in a player coach capacity next year, where hopefully as a footballer, he is not needed in a lot of games because I think we should be building our team around guys like Nico Raskin for next year but there will always be certain games at certain points in games where you need different players. And with his leadership, his experience and his composure, if you're winning 1-0 during the last five minutes of an old firm game at Hamden, you, you may want to throw on a Stephen Davis for, for, for that very reason.
0: No, absolutely. And um, may as well just ask you, before we finish up, what's the score going to be?
1: We're winning. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm 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 a very confident man just fan it the best of times. Um I'm, I'm going there full of confidence. I think I think we've got the better team. I think we're in great form. I think both teams are in great form, but I think I think we are looking very good at the moment. Um I think it could be more than more than one. I think I think it could be two. I think we'll concede. So I'm gonna go three one in ninety minutes as well.
0: I was gonna go three one as well. Um I, I've just got a feeling about, about Sunday, not just the win. I, I just think that we've got a big, big performance coming um, under, this, under this team we had when at Town castle, obviously, a few weeks ago. But apart from that, that that's, that's been it, really. So I, I've just
1: okay. got I, I listened to one of the podcasts that uh, Colin and Alex were doing, and Alex was brilliant, where he was basically saying that he's glad that we've came in to this game yes we're still winning games but other than Time Castle we've kind of scraped a lot of the games we've not been at our best Yeah. Um, his point was hopefully this is the game that we go on and replicate that Time Castle performance where we we really raise our game and we, we, we go out there and blow them away um, my dad li- literally was sitting listening to this podcast right now shaking his head at the sheer thought of my confidence and saying that we could go and beat them by, by scoring three goals but um, I'm I'm all aboard, and I think um, I think am with Alex. I think it's good that we're we're coming into this game having not been at our best. Because I think that'll be an extra motivation to the players to get a a big performance. And I think I think we've got it in us. We just need to unleash it.
0: No, absolutely. I think that's a a good wee message to end it on. there, Diggie, we do have the team. We do have the players. We've got the the guys here to go and do a job. It's just a case of going out and doing it. And I think that'll be the message from the manager as well. Just a wee reminder, guys, um, you can catch us again tomorrow on all your usual um podcast providers um to to download tomorrow morning. Um and that's just about it. We'll be back on Sunday after the game, hopefully um reviewing a, a positive positive result at Hamden. Um which will obviously be be pretty good, be a pretty good way to end um, a good week so far. Um, that'll be calling David Fraser and Chris Jack. Um, but really guys, all that's left for me to do is, um, wishes goodbye, good night. Eight is the magic number in, in Sunday for Rangers. 28 league cups possibly and possibly 118 major honours. That's what awaits us on Sunday. Hopefully it's a good one. We'll see you soon guys. Cheerio. Bye.